0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Palos Verdes. Um, we're going to just get right into worship. We have a uh, great time of, of really just worship and prayer as we um, move into the uh, second teaching about just our, our mission statement as a church. And so um, we're going to be able to have a time just focused on praising our Lord and, uh, and prayer. So we invite you all to rise and uh, join us as we um, open up with musical praise this morning.
1: Yes, the love has done without stretchings. Come on, you sing. Salvation flows Oh, hallelujah! Whosoever, whosoever calls upon His will find His guilt and burden. Watch. Could wash work and wash you away
2: Hello. Sorry, that was sudden. I wasn't prepared for that. I love it. How's everyone doing? Good. Hey, guess what? We're going to have our second week of our vision series right now. Really fun. So we have been going through a vision series. Uh, We started last week and it's four weeks long. Last week, we talked about how uh, we want to know Jesus. And the primary way we do that is through teaching and preaching and today we're going to be talking about how we are to be known by Jesus and the primary means and the way the practice of that is through worship and prayer. So we're going to have a worship and prayer service this morning, essentially. Um, Pastor Ben Kai is going to be leading us through this time with some teachings and some reflection on what this vision is and how we want to, as a church, uh, be known by Jesus and uh, what that means for us. So. We're going to continue on with this service, but before we do that, I just got a couple of announcements for you. I'll keep it real brief. Um, The first is that um, young adults, if you're a young adult, shout it out. Excellent. We've had such a wonderful ministry that started last October for young adults. Um, It's been amazing. It's taken different kind of formed and function. We were on the balcony and it was amazing. We came inside the gym. Now we're in the cafe, but basically we're, uh, it's a group of 18 to 30 ish people, uh, who want to come together in fellowship with the word of God and with worship. And so we really encourage you if you're kind of in that bracket, that age, uh, of young adults, come check this ministry out. It's, it's been a blessing. I get to pop in and I love it. I love going. So um pastor ben kai is the pastor of that ministry we also have our women's bible studies that's taken off we had such a wonderful launch um we have uh in the morning and in the evening women's bible study going through the book uh attributes of god by aw tozer still time to jump into that don't hesitate if you want to get involved um we're only in the early weeks of that so get signed up and then uh a lot of other things go check out our website uh what's happening in the life of our church with truth seekers and youth ministry and all the things going on so um that's our announcements let me pray uh this morning for our offering as you guys know you can be giving online or in the cafe or just as you're exiting the sanctuary here we've got uh boxes where you can donate so let me pray for our service for our offering and then Pastor Ben is going to come and lead the time off talking about worship. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for this church, Lord, that you have, been, um, you have been building. You are the chief cornerstone. Lord, we have found you as both the foundation and the one in which we build from. God, thank you that we're coming up on a year as a church and all that we're celebrating in that. Um, God, I, I pray today as we continue on in this vision series of what it means to be known by you. God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. You would um, you'd get our hands on the work. You get our hearts engaged in everything that this, uh, this church is seeking to do for your glory. Uh, thank you for those who give to establish this work, to further this work. God, I pray for generous hearts that would give cheerfully to the work that you're doing in your kingdom through this church. And we pray all in Jesus' name. Also, guys, don't forget about our last week. We're doing a big party. We got the 90-foot bounce house obstacle course, okay? This isn't just for kids. Dads, we are racing. Nick, I want to see you on that obstacle course. We're going at it, bro, okay. All right, sounds good. Ben, you ready?
0: Thank you. Hey, good morning, everyone. You know, So week to week, I get an opportunity to welcome all of you, and it occurred to me that I I don't know if I've ever properly introduced myself. So my name is Benjamin Kim. I go by Ben. I am the uh, worship pastor here at Calvary Chapel, Palos Verdes. And I wanted to start by just saying how much of an honor and privilege it is for myself and our amazing team um, to not only be leading us in worship, but to also be participating in worship ourselves. You know, this is this is our time of worship too, and it, it's it's just beautiful, and, and we love having that opportunity to do that. As Pastor Daniel mentioned, um, today is the second um, in the vision series uh, focused on being known by Jesus, and the practice of that really comes through worship and prayer. And these are really foundational elements in our lives as believer, uh, as believers, and they they simply go hand in hand. Worship is prayer, and prayer is a form of our worship. And so um, let me start with a verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so just as the Bible communicates God's word to us through worship and prayer, we're able to communicate to God through these same words, whether spoken or unspoken. And worship allows us to come into his presence. It allows us to direct our focus to him. And I believe critically, it, it, in essence, it puts us in our place. And so if you think about some of the things that you do when you worship and pray, you, you kneel, you bow down. Sometimes we raise our arms when we're singing. And I was trying to think of the last time I, I ever did that, outside of the context of worship we just don't you know in some cultures yes maybe it's normal but i think for a lot of us it's just not a normal posture for us in our day-to-day lives and so being able to do that it allows us to turn to god and to recognize him for who he is in the hebrew and greek language the words for worship translate into bow down you know once we realize who god is that that's that should be our natural response to him John in the book of Revelation, um, in, in, in chapter one, verse 17, he writes, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Reverence, laying prostrate at his feet. That, that really ought to be our posture for the Lord. And as Pastor Daniel and Pastor Rob and Pastor Bendukai, just as they teach through the Bible, verse by verse, trying to stay as faithful and true to the word of God, when we lead worship, similarly, we want to cultivate that same reverence and, and, and sing songs built on the same foundational truths that, that we read about in the Bible. And so we, we're, we're approaching our musical worship no differently than they're approaching the word. Now, when it comes to music specifically, I think for most of us, we see it truly as a gift from God. And I love this quote from J.S. Bach. He's, um, he's one of the big three of, of classical music composing, along with Mozart and Beethoven, and he was a man that dedicated his composing to the glory of the Lord. And, and he, he said once, I play the notes as they are written, but it is God who makes the music. And, and any time he played his glorious, amazing music, he felt his soul praising God. And so when it comes to singing these words, and as we, as we sing through music, I believe it helps us engage with words in, in sort of a similar manner. Um, You'll notice that when you sing words, you maybe tend to remember them more. Um, They can evoke emotional responses and engages us with unity of word as well as we sing corporately to our Lord. And I can recall um, a dark time in my own life uh, during medical school, just difficult time, um, feeling very lonely, uh, not sure where God was leading my life. And I specifically remember there were many nights of prayer. And I don't, I don't remember a single word that I said in those prayers, but I remember the song that I sang over and over again. And, and so that, that's what music does for me. I suspect it does that a lot for many of you as well. So. Because of these characteristics, we as the worship team and as, as, as the folks leading us in, in, in singing and worship, we wanna take extra special care with the songs that we sing. And let me leave you with a final thought um, that while music is, is one form of our worship, it is not the only way we worship. And uh, in, in our hope is that we live lives and, and that our lives are full of worship in all that we do. Um, From Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, our Father seeks worshipers, not acts of worship, not not times of worship, but worshipers. And and that encompasses, hopefully, all of our lives. So that is our prayer, um, our prayer for you guys. And fortunately you know we're so hard-headed we may try to do this of our own abilities our own skills um, but but thankfully we have a God who is so merciful and gracious and draws us to him and so with that I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Ben Dukai to uh, to start us off in the call to worship
3: thank you Ben oh, praise God um, You know, we're going to start, you've been hearing about worship, we have been hearing about prayer as the means by which uh, we allow the Lord to know us. And so we want to start by just exploring a little bit, what do we mean uh, in this second vision statement when we say we want to be known by Jesus? Uh, Because what it clearly does not mean, it does not mean that we want to give Jesus an opportunity uh, to discover who we are. Right. It doesn't mean that somehow we're going to give some revelation to God that He didn't have before, uh, because I, I I I pray this isn't going to come as a shock to anyone, but Jesus knows everything about us. <laughs> I hope we're all aware of that. Um, in fact, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. I think we can all get comfortable with that idea, right? I mean, there are times I know I've certainly used the expression where I'll say, you know, well, I, I kind of surprised myself there, or I, I didn't know that I had that in me. Uh, I promise you Jesus never says that (laughs) about any of us he knows us intimately Um, and the psalmist makes this very very clear in Psalm 139 he says you have searched me Lord and you know me and there's great comfort in the reality that God knows us and so what do we mean when we say we want to be known by Jesus Um, and so we mean Two things, primarily. Um, The first, um, and this is like so much of our Christian walk, what we mean is that we need to come to terms with the reality that God knows us. Uh, You know, our God is never about to change. We are the ones in this walk with the Lord who are going to be doing the changing. And we have to get used to that idea that so much of our interaction with God is intended to transform us into the new creation that he is seeking to make us. And so we have to understand that we need to change how we see the way God sees us in order to truly be known by him. Um, Nothing in our life will free us from the chains of guilt and fear and shame faster than changing our understanding of the lens through which God sees each one of us. But then we mean a second thing. And that thing is is that just like God wants us to know him, not in just an academic way, but he wants us to know him experientially, likewise, Jesus wants that same intimate experience with us. He wants to engage us in life and experience and walk this life with us, he wants to build intimacy because God wants our relationship to not just be about knowing about one another, but knowing the intimate interaction of our lives. And two of the best ways for us to do that is exactly what Ben shared with us. Pastor Ben shared the need for worship and prayer to be a regular part of our lives. And so that's why today we don't just want to be a church that discusses the word. We want to be a church of doers. And that's why we're going to have a service where we're going to spend a lot more time worshiping. Uh, And so we're going to do three little sermonettes. And between each one of those, we're going to have an opportunity to worship and to offer our hearts to the Lord. Because it's through the intimacy of worship that we enter into this dialogue with God. It's through the intimacy of prayer, the quiet times of prayer in our lives. Um, that we enter into this intimacy with God. And that's what we're going to be spending time doing today. Romans 2, as, as, as Pastor Ben read, eliminates the idea, however, that worship and prayer are simply about singing songs. And so we want to be careful, right? We're going to sing songs, but we need to understand what that is. It's not the full uh, encapsulation of worship, because as, as Pastor Ben just read, our lives are meant to be worshiped to God. But as we sing, what it represents is an opportunity to exercise our faculties in a worshipful manner. And that is one of the things we need to train our hearts to do. And that's what this corporate time of worship does. It trains our hearts to be in a state of worship that God desires. You know, we saw this in the book of Mark. When we read about the Phoenician woman Whose daughter was possessed by a demon And if we, we're going to take another look at her Because she teaches us some really important lessons That we need to understand about God And we want to follow her example Because Jesus was really responsive To her prayer And if we look at Mark 7, verse 24 This is how we're introduced to her It says, and from there he arose And went to the region of Tyre and Sidon And he entered her house And he didn't want anyone to know Yet he could not be hidden But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. See, here from this young woman is the first step in creating the intimacy with God that he desires. And that first step is simply entering into his presence. And, And I love the way the Bible paints the picture of this woman, because you see, this woman didn't come and prostrate herself before Jesus. She, she didn't come um, and sit by Jesus' feet. She didn't come and stand and prepare some, like, amazing oratory dialogue to convince him to, to please save her daughter. What does the Bible tell us she did? She just fell at his feet. This woman is tired. Life has beat her up, and she is facing a challenge for which there is no hope apart from this guy she's heard of. She doesn't even know that it's true, but maybe he can do something. And she comes and just falls at his feet. You know, there's a lot to be said about getting on our knees when we worship and pray, but I want to make clear that that is not the most important thing. What is necessary, regardless of whether we stand, sit, or kneel, is that our hearts must be prostrated before the Lord. It's our hearts that need to bow before who God is and what we have heard about him and what we anticipate and hope that he can do for us. We have to come humbly, having recognized our need for him and having recognized for who he is, that he is Lord of all. You know, Jesus invites us to come in Matthew 11, uh, but he invites us under certain circumstances. I want to read this to you beginning in In verse 27, he says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then the invitation, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, that's the order of things. We start by recognizing that he is Lord of all, (laughs) that he has authority over everything, then we come. We come and we fall before him and we offer our hearts and he promises to give us rest. Let's pray and then lift up our hearts to the Lord. Lord God, we thank you so much uh, for the promise that we find in your word, Lord, that we can come to you humbly because you are Lord of all and that in doing so, Lord God, you will reveal to us even who we are as you know us more intimately than we know ourselves, Lord. We We long for that intimate fellowship with you. May we experience that now in Jesus' name.
1: Oh Precious blood of Jesus Christ. While we sing leave behind Leave behind your regrets and mistakes come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born For Jesus is calling Oh, oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was born with sing. Oh, what? Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are
3: even deeper. Um, You know, Daniel said last week that we want to set our goals and expectations high, and that's what we want to do this morning. Uh, We want to set our expectations high as we come unto the Lord. And so we're going to look further and dig deeper at this uh, Phoenician woman who came before the Lord. And verse 26 tells us, it says, now the woman was a Gentile, a Syro-Phoenician by birth, And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now we have to pause here uh, and recognize that Jesus just said something pretty tough. (laughs) Uh, There's no interpretation of this, that this is a kindness uh, in what he is saying. Um, Can't be interpreted in any other manner than exactly the way it reads is that we don't take the things that belong to the children and give them to the dogs. So you have to ask yourself, what is Jesus doing? Um, well, the Bible makes it very clear throughout that God will test our hearts. Uh, as God told the Israelites when they were in Babylon in Jeremiah twenty-nine, twelve, he says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and so we want to see and do the same today. Jesus is testing this woman's heart. What is it she's really after? Does she understand what she's asking? Does she understand to whom she is asking this question? And that's often what it's going to be in our lives. God is going to be testing our heart. And it's why God encourages us to be both patient and persistent in prayer. Right? Jesus told us to ask and to continue asking to be bold when we come into the presence of the Lord. And so let's look at this woman's response at Jesus' reaction. It says, But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. You know, the first thing to note is that she's not insulted. Uh, Jesus has just told this woman, look, there are other priorities. And he hasn't been particularly kind. Um, And he says, let me take care of the children first. But she's not insulted by this. In fact, the opposite. It it causes her to dig in deeper. And then she does what the Lord wants most. She presses in on him. and, And she responds in a way that moves our Lord. And so it's worth examining, because Jesus makes it clear that he is responding directly to what the woman has said. He says, for this statement you may go. He doesn't say it's because of your persistence. He he doesn't say it's because of your humility. He says it's because of what you said. And what she said was, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So what is it about this statement that moved our Lord? Well, it's the reality that this statement is an incredible testimony of faith. And faith will always move our God. In fact, Hebrews tells us without faith it is impossible to please God. And so we have to understand how this statement is a statement of faith. And there's two things that we see. The first thing is you note that she makes no pleading based on her having earned in any way, this kindness that she's asking of him. She absolutely understands that it is purely an act of grace by our Lord. And secondarily, the things that she understands is that even the scraps from the table of our Lord are good enough to do more than she desires. And this pleases the Lord. This woman says to Jesus, look, I, I may be a dog, I may be undeserving, but that's not what's important. What's important is that you are good. In fact, I know that you are so good. That I just I just need a little bit. I just need the crumbs of what you would give the children of Israel. And that's how we have to come to God. We have to come to God regardless of how we feel about ourselves regardless of how we feel about our deservedness, and in light of the reality of who he is and with the expectation of good. God knows we don't deserve his grace. His grace was never dependent on us earning it in the first place. It is God's desire to bless us with good. That is all that matters. And we need to understand that the smallest gesture from the Lord will have big results in our life. And so we can come and sit at his feet with eager expectation of good. I would challenge all of us. Do we always expect good? You know, I'm one of those people. I'm a little cynical. I'm a New Yorker. I tend to expect the other shoe to always drop. No, (laughs) there's no shoe to drop. (laughs) There is the goodness of God because he's good all the time. And that's why, as a church, we want to expect great things from our Lord here in the South Bay. It's why we believe that he's going to move beyond just this group of people to share that goodness everywhere that our feet touches, everywhere that our voice carries, everywhere we go. We want to bring the goodness of God. It's why we want to bring the real us to the real Jesus without hesitation. We don't have to dress ourselves up to come to the Lord can't dress up enough to make ourselves worthy. Now, we want to come not because we are worthy, but because he is good. Hebrews 4.15 tells us not just to come, but it tells us to come with confidence. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God, that we may receive mercy and found grace to help in time of need. Note that just because Jesus is sinless, he doesn't lord it over us. He doesn't doesn't shame us because we're not. No. He identifies with our struggle to overcome sin because he did overcome sin. He knows what a struggle it is. And so he says, no, 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 come with confidence. Come eagerly expecting my grace and my goodness. You know, Isaiah 40 is a wonderful reminder of God's love for his people. And I just want to read some portions of it before we go back to worship. But it begins in Isaiah 41 by saying this. This is God's heart. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned. And then he ends, Isaiah 40, in the last verses with this reminder. He says, have you not known, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who uh, has no might, he increases the strength. He says, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall be exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. That's what we want to do now. We want to wait upon the Lord so that he might renew our strength. Let's go back to the Lord again, expecting... Uh, Renewed power, not just for this life, but renewed power to be his witnesses throughout the South Bay. Lord God, we just thank you for your promises that are in your word. Father, they are not only everlasting, they are not only true, but they are good. (laughs) Father, we want to come to you now in expectation of of the goodness that you're going to be doing, not just in our lives, but through our lives as we come and surrender to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and your grace which overwhelms everything in our lives. We're going to need that strength because we're going to close out this morning by celebrating, bringing the real us to the real Jesus. Uh, because God is not interested in the social media version of you. <laughs> Whatever's on Instagram is not what God wants to see. What He wants in His presence is the real you. You know, uh, one of my favorite books is a, a book by Hannah Hubbard called Heinz Feet on High Places." And I'm going to ruin the book for a lot of you because I'm going to take you right to the end, but I still encourage you to read it. But it's this journey of this young lady. She takes it to the mountaintop where she's going to sacrifice herself to die to self unto the Lord. And she gets to the top and she finds out she doesn't have the strength to do it. See, that's the reality. We don't have the strength to die to self. And what she has to do is surrender her will. Jesus says to her, Do you want me? To make you want to do it and she says yes lord (laughs) that's what we need to do today we're going to come and surrender ourselves so that god would allow us to have the will to be real before him because god wants the real us right he wants the real ben kai he wants the real noah and sophia to come before him that's what he is seeking Uh, and that's what we want to do this morning we've already established that uh, it's not because God doesn't know who we are. It's because he knows that the real us is the only acceptable thing in his sight. And is that which is precious and loved is the real us. And so we're going to go back to Psalm 139 and read a little bit more uh, of David expressing this reality of how much God knows about us. He says in back in verse 1, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And he goes into detail. He says, You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts even from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. But then he goes on in this psalm um, and tells us the result of coming to this understanding that God has this intimate knowledge of him. As we get down to verse 13, it awakens in David an ability to see himself. As God sees him, listen to what he says. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Listen, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. See, that is where God wants to take us, from recognizing that not only does God know our most inward being, But he has fashioned us beautiful in his eyes. First, he fashioned me in creation when I was born. But then I became marred by sin. And now he is refashioning me in the image of his son Jesus when we surrender our lives to him. And God being God, he sees the end from the beginning. And so God doesn't see me in my struggle as I try to walk this walk. That we walk. What does God see? God sees me as He knows He's going to make me. See, that's the secret, right? Jesus says that that He who began a good work in you is going to finish it. And so God is confident that He's going to do a good job. (laughs) He's not confident in me, (laughs) but He knows the finished product is to deliver me to the Father in His own image. And He takes absolute comfort in that. And so God sees me through that lens as he knows I will be as a completed work in Christ. And this allows me to see myself not as the world sees me, not as I feel about myself, for good or for bad, but to see myself as an amazing part of God's creation. As David tells us, your works are wonderful. (laughs) I know that full well. You know, there's a wonderful example of this in the New Testament. Someone who comes to to know God as he knows her. And to take comfort in the fact that he knows her most inmost being, regardless of the flaws. And yet his love for her was so overwhelming, so compelling, that it caused her to go and invite everyone she knew to come and know him. And that should be the inevitable result of bringing the real us to the real Jesus. We're going to look at John 4, a story that should be familiar to, to most of you, a story of the woman at the well. But Jesus is trekking through Samaria, and he stops to take a rest by Jacob's well. It's literally one of the wells that Jacob uh, had dug. And a woman comes to fetch some water. Now, Jesus is resting at noon, and so already the story takes an unexpected turn because you have to understand Israel is hot <laughs> And people fetch water in the morning, and people fetch water in the evening. No one fetches water at noon (laughs) because it's hot. Uh, And yet that's where this woman comes to fetch some water. And Jesus begins a dialogue with her. And we're going to pick up with this dialogue in verse 16. Jesus starts to tell this woman about herself. Jesus says to her, he says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Hmm, half the story. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So clearly this woman is fetching water at noon because she's an outcast from society, right? She has this terrible reputation that would have been unacceptable in those times. And yet here is Jesus engaging this woman, which almost everyone else that she knows would be seeking to ignore. And he tells her everything about herself. And perceiving that she is a prophet, the Bible tells us, and let's be honest, wanting to change the subject a little bit, <laughs> she begins to engage him in a dialogue and says, I see that you are a prophet. Tell us where to worship. The Sumerians uh, and the Jews had this argument about where worship was supposed to happen. And then Jesus reveals to her one of the most important truths in the Bible about worship. I'm just going to pause here and go off topic for a minute because when you study the Bible, you should really pay attention to who and what Jesus reveals things to. And I am just blown away that one of these, this truth, this diamond of a truth that Jesus is about to reveal, he reveals it to this woman at the well. Um, And for contrast, I would encourage you to read John 3, where Jesus is approached by Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a ruler of Israel, and John 4. And how much more revealing of himself Jesus is to the woman at the well than to this so-called religious leader of his day. Now, we know Nicodemus came to the Lord, but God responds to the humble at heart. And it's really uh, a beautiful lesson if you read John 3 and 4 back to back. Anyway... Jesus is going to declare very plainly what worship should look like. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. See, that is what God likes, is that we come in spirit and truth. Now, this has often been interpreted to mean our hearts and our minds, that we worship by the spirit and we worship by the truth of the word. And that is absolutely true. But it also has a second meaning, that we have to worship God truly. In other words, we have to take off the masks before the Lord and be ourselves. Did you notice what Jesus uh, recommended this woman for? What you have said is true, that you have no husband. God loves the truth. He is truth, and he wants us to bring our true selves we have to take off our masks. We have to expose our hearts and openly worship Jesus with all of the longing and cares and all the things we bring him to the table. Jesus doesn't want a Sunday version of you, the dressed-up version with the little niceties and all the right christian Jesus wants the real us, the insecure, questioning, doubting, fearful, angry because we got cut off on the freeway this morning on the way to church. That guy... Jesus wants to know him Bring the real you to the real Jesus Let's just finish with this woman at the well Verse 28 here She says so the woman left her water jar And went away into town and said to people Come see a man who told me all that I ever did Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and were coming to him Did we get a picture of what happened here? Jesus has just told this woman her deepest, darkest secrets. He has just laid bare all the reasons that this woman was out fetching water in the middle of the afternoon at the heat of the sun. He just exposed it all. I don't know about you, but if somebody walked up to me and started telling me all my deepest, darkest secrets, (laughs) I don't know that I'd be hanging around too long. And yet this woman, who a few minutes ago was afraid to show her face in public, has run back into town and engaged every person that has shamed her, every person that has looked down on her, every person that has has cursed at her because of the lifestyle that she has chosen. And she's saying, hey, you need to come meet this guy who told me everything about myself. (laughs) And she's bringing them all back to meet this Jesus. Is that our reaction to jesus is that our understanding of who he is because jesus must have said something to her and said it in such a way that what she experienced was the beauty and the grace and the tenderness of our savior is that how we see the lord as tender and full of grace and beauty because that is the jesus revealed in scripture And that's the Jesus we want to come and celebrate and lift our voices to in the recognition that he sees us for who we are and he tenderly encourages us to be true to ourselves and laying ourselves bare before him. And then just as important, let's run out of here this afternoon and let's take that same Jesus who has exposed us totally and introduce him to the world that they may come to know the same Lord that we love. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, Father, may we see you this morning as you are. May we see your beauty. May we see your tenderness. May we see your grace. Father, may we fall before you, and fall in love with you anew as we sing songs to you. But Father, more importantly, as we just reveal our hearts and open ourselves to be true before you this morning, Father, may we be encouraged to bring the real us to the real you with great expectations of what you're going to do in us and through us. We love you.
1: for my sake
0: Of salvation. And Lord, may we not hold that to ourselves, but may that be a means for us to show the same grace and mercy to, to our broken world around us. Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, um, have a great week, and uh, just remember, praise, all praise and glory to our Lord, and uh, may our lives truly be, be, a, be a testimony to his uh, grace and mercy. Have a blessed week.